Hey, it's Travis. I wanted to take this moment to discuss our sponsor, BetterHelp. I used to think talking to a therapist was a sign of weakness until I started talking to one. It has really helped me limit the negative chatter that can infiltrate my brain. Therapy has helped me become a more insightful person, father, and husband. That's why I'm excited to tell you about BetterHelp. Their online platform makes finding a therapist incredibly easy. Fill out a brief questionnaire and you will be matched with a therapist in just a few days. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, or click the link in my show notes. In doing so, you will be helping this show and you will receive 10% off your first month. If you aren't clicking with your therapist, if you're not getting a good vibe, BetterHelp will allow you to switch your therapist at any time with no additional cost. Online therapy is a game changer for me. I have such an erratic schedule. I work nights, weekends, late, early, holidays, you name it. Being able to video call my therapist from my phone in a call room, at work, or in my car, or whatever, it's extremely convenient for me and it allows me the time and the, the place to actually get my therapy in. So if you're struggling, if you need to talk to somebody, go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes and they'll get you set up with somebody. This has been my thank you note to BetterHelp for supporting this show. Hi, welcome to the Thank You Notes podcast. My name is Travis McVeigh. I'm an anesthesiologist from Dallas, Texas. I love thank you notes so much, I made them into a podcast. My guest today is Dr. Pat Pownell. He is an accomplished plastic surgeon who did his training right here in Dallas. I have been working with him for the past seven years, and he is as good of a surgeon as he is a person. He's kind, respectful with everybody, and just a joy to work with. What I hope you, the listener, takes away from this episode is a sense of how Dr. Pownell incorporates respect into every relationship he has from his mentors, his family, his staff, and his patients. I try to emulate the rapport he builds in every interaction I have at work. So now, let's get to my talk with Dr. Pat Pownell. This is the Thank You Notes podcast. Uh, we talk about thank you notes and a little bit of work and life and everything involved. Dr. Pat Pownell, do you write thank you notes? Yes, I do. Both... Uh in my own handwriting, I probably dictate more of them than I, than I write because it's simpler for me, but yes, I do. Dictate to whom? Like a computer or a person? A transcriptionist that I've used for almost 30 years. And so if I make a mistake, she fixes it. So that's what makes it so perfect all the time. What was the last thing you know you wrote for? A patient brought us some desserts here in the office. It's a lady that I've seen over and over again for the last, um, I don't know, maybe 10 years. And every time she comes in for a visit, she brings us two big cases of chocolate chip cookies. So I always write her a thank you note. That's very nice. Now, you're a, you're a father. Did you make your kids write thank you notes when they were growing up? My wife did more than I did because she was all always on top of that. All right. Well, I wanted to get into how you operate as a physician, as a person, as a parent and everything. So where did this behavior of you you treating everybody with such respect and dignity come from? Was that something that was modeled to you or something you grew up with? You, you asked me that in a text kind of saying what we'd kind of ask about. And I have to tell you, I paused when I saw some of the questions because 
in so many ways, I'm not sure I really understood how I was modeling it, but I would have to say probably my mother, who regrettably I lost two weeks ago, um, my mother just, everybody was an equal to her in so many different ways. And my father, as I've, um, and I don't think I ever, ever heard, well, I know for a fact, I never heard my father tell a lie or tell anything that was even close to it. So I guess in so many ways, if we didn't model them, they made sure that we, um, we, uh, towed the line after that. So the story that kind of set this off, it kind of set, that was maybe one of the first impressions I had of you is that you yourself were having surgery at some point. And earlier in the week, you had had a a run in with a, a nurse and I forget her name. You'd had a disagreement or something. And then you ended up requesting that that nurse circulate your case. Can you tell that story? Well, this was a, it was a day that this particular nurse really made a very poor judgment decision on one of my patients and basically kind of put her in a corner as she was bleeding all over her clothes. And she really, she's, she, she put her in a conference room of all things. I usually don't get too upset, but I got upset over that. And, um, there was some discussion concerning that yet I couldn't believe that nobody could really understand how big of a problem that was. And so, but as we worked through all that, the lady that had made the decision, I was trying to convince her that in no way or fashion was I thinking that she wasn't capable of doing her job, at least at that very moment, just like we all do in some days, she made a poor decision. So I was trying to convince her that that she was still equal to the task, and I was very respectful of her, yet she wasn't convinced of that. And so it just coincidentally, I was having a knee scope done, and I said, I only want her to take care of me. Not to, She felt like I was trying to set her up for a failure, and I was trying to set her up for success. And so it was really funny how I saw something in her that she just couldn't believe that maybe it was a forgiveness issue. Maybe it was a, just a, I mean, I was trying to support her in the best way that I can. And the best way I could do it was say, Hey, take care of me. Just like I'd want somebody to take care of my patients. And the funny thing was she wouldn't have any part of it because again, she felt like whether I was trying to set her up for failure. That's, it wasn't at all what I was trying to do, but not too long after that, she left our center and I've never seen her again, which is somewhat sad. That is sad. But the, the punchline of the story that made it stick out was that in your uh, post anesthesia stupor, you were calling for this nurse by name. That's correct. And nobody knew what you were talking what about. What I was talking about. Yeah. I was asking, where is she? Where is she? Because I truly wanted her to take care of me. And she wouldn't do it, hmm. which is fine. That's fine. Let's get into your training a little bit. Now, you did an ENT residency here at uh, in Dallas at UT Southwestern, and then you did a plastics fellowship. Was that also at Southwestern? Yes, it was at Southwestern. Was there anybody from your training that kind of stuck out to you that was acted in a mentorship role or just kind of helped you along the way, had any lessons that stick with you to this day? Uh, yes. And it's, it's interesting, probably my first six or seven years, um, really six years in my residency, 
we didn't see much of the staff. We saw each other. And so our, our greatest mentors were one another. And so our, the camaraderie that we developed as residents, we just knew each of us would always have each other's back. And so I, I truly learned a lot more from those same guys in the trenches than I did and any of my mentors. But in plastic surgery, you do a lot more in the community as well as you do at in like the institutional setting. So we got to rotate over at Baylor Hospital, and that's where I saw some of the people that I've later come to admire in uh, in in basically what we might call the real world. And it's one of those people that I've I've written my thank you note to. Mm-hmm. And what, well, I guess we'll get into it with your letter, but you want to tease maybe one of the lessons that this uh, mentor taught you that's kind of stuck with you. Well, it was, uh, his name was Byron Brown. He was probably in the fourth period of his career at the time, but Dr. Brown was the chairman of plastic surgery at Baylor Hospital at the time. And all of us knew he was kind of set apart. He, um, had a huge practice. And in so many ways, nothing really troubled Dr. Brown. He would do any, somebody called him, he would take on pressure sores, breast reduction, any kind of case that just came along and everybody there knew how respected he was. Did you originally want to do plastics when you got into ENT? Was it always the case that you wanted to go into this? How did your uh, choosing this career come about? That's an interesting question. And yesterday in the operating room, there was a a third-year college student that was here with one of the anesthesiologists just rotating in and just gathering information because she's pre-med. And one of the things that I commented to her, she was asking, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do and and, and those type questions. And in my life, one of the things that always um, impressed me were I would see people that I would say to myself, I want to be like them. And so I had a few of those people come across my path. And one was an otolaryngologist named Trevor Mabry, who was a ENT surgeon here in town. He had trained at the Mayo Clinic and was a very accomplished surgeon. And regrettably, in his 50s, he was killed in a plane crash uh, with three very prominent Dallas professionals. And, um, he impacted my life in a way that he just showed me that you can be the type of physician that the good Lord has asked you to be and, and still have a family that knows you and loves you and cares about you. And you could truly have both. Then interestingly, he was killed in that plane crash in July of my second year of general surgery, and I was working with another now lifetime friend named Jay Burns. And as I was doing at the end of my plastic surgery rotation, he literally looked at me and said, you need to be a plastic surgeon. And so I had never really thought about it. I mean, it was kind of completely off my radar screen. And that started the process of me thinking about it. And Maybe 18 months later, I asked my wife. I remembered it was Halloween night because we were out in Jefferson, Texas. And I looked at her, said, what if I did two more years? And you're kind of young and don't really know what two years means. And she goes, sure, no problem. Well, unbeknownst to us, we would have had two children after that and a whole lot more 
debt and struggles and everything else. And, but those two years have really, really paid off in a lot of ways. So what did uh, Dr. Burns see or what, why did he think you'd be so good in plastic surgery? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I maybe I, I can see things kind of spatially. I can kind of break up problems into solutions, I guess. And maybe he saw that, but I look back now and there's a lot of things that, that I can kind of see in a puzzle problem and move the pieces together and make it work. And, you know, in some ways, maybe I thought everybody saw things in that way, but I'm not so sure everybody does, but I think maybe that's what he saw. And piggybacking on the, uh, the, the puzzle aspect, have, have you always been like this? Did you use this problem solving knack that you have to lead you to medicine, to lead you to your practice, lead you to, to all, is, is this just kind of a continuation or was this kind of a surprise? Well, in so many ways, I was going to be an engineer just like my dad was. My dad was an old Exxon engineer. And so as growing up, I saw him and I was working side by side with him most of the time at, at the home and fixing problems and putting things back together. But, um, uh, so I think that was part of it. Yet in high school, I also won the drafting award. So I was a very fine, precision kind of like thoughtful, a little bit obsessive compulsive. But uh, so, yeah, I think I, I patterned both of those. But yet when I went to college, like I said, I was going to be an engineer and I got there and we, I got to Baylor and I realized that the first two years of engineering was really pre-med work. And then I looked around and there was like, nobody was going to be an engineer. And I thought, well, maybe I missed the boat here. I'll just be a dentist. And so then I looked around and I thought, maybe I'll go to medical school. And so it was basically a lot of series of small decisions before I really applied to medical school. As a matter of fact, when I got my first set of interviews, I never even seen a medical school. So, and so much of it was so far beyond anything I could have ever thought of. And I guess the good Lord just, just making a path that he wanted for me and not me making very good decisions along the way. It just sounds like happy accident after happy accident. And no question about it. And that's, and then when I got into medical school, I, I did well, but I never really had a passion for doing anything other than study well and make good. I mean, I was just on that, that role and I did well in internal medicine, but at the same time I did well in other things. And so I think that's why in ENT, you could, you could use both your, your understanding of disease as well as with surgical skills. And so it was probably one of the reasons I was attracted to that first. And then, like I say, the, the world of plastic surgery opened up later. Yeah. I guess the, the reason that prompted me to ask you to do this is just the, the, the general way that you, you treat everybody around you. Is that something that you carry to your, your home? Is that the way you parent as well? Well, when you say that, that's very humbling to me for sure, because um, I've we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Uh, yeah, I'd like to think that I'm the same at work as I am at home on on Monday as I am on Saturday as I am on Sunday. And so... Early on when I started my career, I would say to myself, I want to treat my employees better than my best customers or patients. And I've, I've truly tried to do that. But yet the people around me, I, I need them a whole lot as, or as much as I need anybody else. So consequently, 
my singularly focus is to make sure all those around me are doing the best they can because ultimately that's what's best for the patient. Yeah. This is just kind of the way that Pat Pownell is. It just comes naturally out of you. I would like to hope so. Yeah. I think one of the questions you said is what's your superpower? I, I have to tell you, I pray a lot because I, I, there's a lot of days I feel like I'm not as where I should be. And so at the same time, uh, but yeah, I think that I've learned that I'm a lot better at doing whatever I choose to do if I can group people around me that make me look better than what I really am. I think that a lot of, especially in the surgical world, a lot of people don't realize that if you treat people well, when you treat people better, they're more inclined to help you and do their best. They will go the extra mile for you because of the way that you treat them rather than because they're scared of being yelled at. I think that's true for some people, although I think there's other people that I'll never forget one of my old chairmen that was at Big Baylor operating and uh, one of the nurses came racing into my room and she was saying that this physician who I have deep respect for, that he was in the other room and she says, oh, I just have to get it all right or he'll start yelling at me. And I was, I looked over at my my nurse, Sherry, who's been with me for 29 years, and I wanted to say I told you so. Uh, but, yeah, I think that more often than not, that's the truth, that, yeah, you treat people with dignity and respect, and they'll treat you back. So when you trained, I, I want to say that was like the 80s and 90s. This was not the era of good feelings and medical residency training. So this well, this wasn't beaten out of you or anything that just that just kind of kept you through? Well, interestingly, Travis, my first two years were at the medical school, and they were that, that I that was when I first my residency, and they were in some ways probably one of the most formative two years of my life. I I saw some things there about me that I really didn't like because I was becoming more like the people that were there, and there's some wonderful people there, but there's some people that that are just not very happy and positive people, and the more I was around them, the more I realized I was becoming like them. And in so many different ways, I was very fortunate to get out of that setting. Once I got out, I was able to basically be me, but at the same time, I didn't know any different. That was just who I was. And so I just tried to put my blend of hopefully my surgical skills into my practice and and Lord willing, most days it works. You mentioned having a third year college student coming. If somebody, I'm sure you get approached all the time with people saying they well, they want to do plastic surgery or what? what's your best piece of advice or what's the piece of advice you give most often to those kinds of people? Uh, first thing I tell them is make sure you understand yourself and study yourself and some of your skill sets, yet at the, also at the same time, you know, you hear people say, oh, I just want to do what I'm gifted in. And I, I've often said, well, if you only get to do what you're gifted in, you'll have a part-time job because most of what we do is, yes, it's areas of what we are gifted in, but at the same time, there's areas of all of our work that no matter what, it's it's still work. And I'm sitting, we're in my office here, there's a four or five piles of things that I haven't done that I regret every time I pick it up because I, I don't enjoy doing it yet. I also know that it's got to get done. And so I guess the advice I give them is study yourself, but also look for those people, just like I've explained to you, look for those people that you could someday say, 
I want to be like them. And, um, hopefully, um, they're the people that make you better in the end and not take you down a path that was, is not, not healthy for you. And with all these piles of work to do here, you are wasting time with my little side project. All right. Uh, I've written you a thank you note, Dr. Pownell. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have. This is, uh, and kind of leading off of finding people that take you down the right path. I say, dear Dr. Pownell, thank you for giving me a bit of your time today. It is an absolute pleasure to work with you on the sporadic occasions that I get the opportunity. Your candor with everyone from me, the nursing staff, the patient, and everyone else you encounter is beyond admirable. Rather, it's the Everest of how I wish to carry myself, both personally and professionally. It has truly been an honor to work with you, and I look forward to more chances in the future. Travis. Travis, that's very kind, and like I said, I'm humbled by you thinking about it and your words. Now, you have uh, brought a thank you note of your own, and you said it's to Dr. Byron Brown. Dr. Byron, is he a uh, ENT? No, he was a plastic surgery staff, and like I say, he was uh, the very first month of plastic surgery. So I'd finished my otolaryngology training, and then my first three months was at Baylor Medical Center. And here was this guy, I didn't even know who he was, and all of a sudden he just said, oh, I know all about you. And he had. He'd studied about each and every one of us. And so it was very – he was one of the few people that truly cared for us in a way. He was always looking out for us. Anytime he could take our side in whatever form or fashion, he'd always do it. And, again, part of that's in the letter. And so – Go ahead and read it. Well, let me first begin by Dr. Byron Brown – Uh, passed away a few years ago Mm. and part in this letter his address is heaven so i said dear dr brown thank you for early on taking a liking and interest in me as a person and physician 31 years ago as a first-year plastic surgery resident i immediately knew that you were a man of character and the one that i wanted to strive to become more like you were not fancy or fake in any way you cared for all of us residents like we were your equals even from the beginning All of us affectionately called you, in parentheses, Uncle Byron when we talked about you. Anytime that we could break away from our traditional mentors to work with you, we would for so many positive reasons. A few very important things that you taught me were more of life issues than plastic surgery issues. You once said to me, Pat, always remember that leopards never lose their spots. This warning was given to me as I started to study where I would land after I finished my residency. Wow, you were so right. You also would always say methylene blue and divide by two. You said most decisions that we make as plastic surgeons could be simplified into these two basic tenets. Look at a problem, divide it into parts, mark it, then proceed. I think of this almost every day that I work. A few years after residency, I had a patient that had a quite challenging problem. I had a plan. I wanted to get your opinion on my thoughts. I brought the photos to your office and showed you my plan. You said it sounded great. To this day, this is the only time that I truly asked advice like that since I finished my residency. That patient still sees me from time to time almost 25 years later. Just after that, I had a patient that I'd operated on two years prior. I saw her for revision that I did not do. Interestingly, she filed suit against me for basically not operating on her. I asked for your help, and you said yes, even before you knew any of the specifics. The suit went away one month later. 
Thank you for stepping into the gap without hesitating. After residency, you would always seek me out asking about the latest book that I'd read. One time you had me read about the Himalayan Yeti. You were so excited to hear that I thought the book about what I thought about the book, even though you knew it was a bit far-fetched. I've read so many because of your recommendations. I've regretted missing only two funerals in my life, and yours was one of them. I had a day full of patients and three or four cancer patients that afternoon. I paused and knew that in some small way, you would know that it was just fine that I had picked my patients before your service. Yet, I still wish I had honored you in my very simple presence. After your passing, I saw one of your family members with a challenging problem. As I talked with her, I told her of my deep respect that I had for you and the impact that you had on me. I knew that I could help her, and I was so anxiously decided to proceed. I must say, I've never felt more pressure for the best result possible. Yet I knew in some way you were behind me saying, this is easy, methylene blue and divide by two. I was so pleased for so many reasons. For these and so many reasons, I must say thank you. Deepest respect, Patrick Pownell. That was Dr. Brown. And I, I would tell you, I wasn't alone. All of us felt the same way about him. And um, we always knew that Dr. Brown was always there, firstly, to help us and to protect us. And he won't be forgotten by any of us. Doesn't sound like that was, that's probably one of the better letters we've had. In, in some way, I hope that there won't be anyone better because he deserves it. Yeah. So were you a reader before you got to him? Somewhat, but Dr. Brown would. Uh, another friend, Grant Gilliland, and I, who's an oculoplastic surgeon, the three of us, one of us would give the other a book, and it would pass around to the three of us. And uh, this was before, you know, you could get it on your Kindle, your iPhone, your iPad, or something like that. So we'd literally pass them around, and I'd go to a Dallas Plastic Surgery Society meeting, and there'd be Dr. Brown handed me a book saying, this is your next one. He was an interesting guy. He was a near-scratch golfer, and he loved his guns. And another interesting thing, I was in Destin, Florida on vacation with my family. And my, you know, the first day you go to a place for a week and you're, you're at the grocery store. And I looked, I opened up Time Magazine and there was Dr. Brown holding these gigantic pistols saying, don't you dare take my guns away from me. So he, he loved his guns too. That's, that's great. All right, Dr. Pownell, last question. I'm going to, this is a hypothetical situation. Uh, let's say you, you've got uh, 45 minutes between cases. You're at Jason's Deli. What are you getting? Oh, I have almost anything on the menu. I've tried just about anything. And I'll rotate some. It depends on if I feel like I'm still a runner and I run a lot. But at the same time, I, I go, well, maybe I'm five pounds up. So I'll eat the chicken salad at that point. So um, if I if I feel like I can... I've got a big run that afternoon in me. Well, then I'll I'll go with the chicken pot pie. So there, it's all great. <laughs> Those people are super people. They are, and uh, we're open for sponsorship. There you go. Uh, <laughs> opportunities, if you're listening, Jason's Deli. All right, Pat. This has been a, a pleasure. Thank you for sitting down with me. Thanks, Travis. Thanks very much. Yes, yes. 
If you're in the Dallas area and would like a consultation with Dr. Pownell, there will be a link in the show notes to his website. So you can call his clinic and set up an appointment. A big thank you to Pat for letting me come to his clinic and interview him. Also a big shout out to Jason's Deli. If you're wondering what my order would be, it's a bigger, better BLT on a croissant, hold the mayo, and an iced tea. Please like, rate five stars, review favorably, and subscribe on every podcast platform you come across. Follow this show on Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. I guess I'm one of those people now that have a LinkedIn page. Follow me there. Email thank you notes to me. The email address is thankyounotespod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.